Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hello, it's live. I'm here and I've got a funny uh, thing around the outside, which I I don't know how to get off. So it looks like I've got a spike in my forehead, but uh, I don't know how to get that border off. So um, sorry about the border. I, um, I don't know how to get that off. Hold on a minute. I've got comments already. I need to watch this defo. Oh, my God, I've got comments. Would love to know the pros and cons of a tiny tuck and breast lift stroke implants at the same time. Please don't go to have to tell a few surgeons again. We keep telling people they're fed rubbish from those settings. Whoa. Wow. Watch live, but worst case, wow. Well, look at that. I've got comments already. So I was going to say, please come on and share, but people are already commenting. So thank you very much for the comments already, and I'll get cracking on those comments. Um, and uh, this is, God, that is, does it look funny? Does it look like I've got? I'll tell you what, I know what I'm going to do. Let me make a cup of tea. And I'm going to, should I just go one side? Oh, something's fallen off the back. Okay, anyway, I'm going to, oh. Oh, pencil. It's on my phone. Sorry, sorry. Oh, blimey. Oh, look, someone, there's a message on Facebook there, which I haven't seen. Right, okay. It's all kicking off. It is kicking off. I won't close my door properly. Right, oh, God, I've got to crack on. I'm cracking on, guys. I've just seen a message on Facebook, which I haven't seen. Right, right let's crack on. Amy's in the house. Let's do Amy. Amy, I'm going to do you first, and then I'm going to crack on and uh, uh Junie wants to know about plastic surgeons and stuff, and that's a brilliant stuff to talk about, which I'm very happy to talk about. So let me talk about this question. Would love to know the pros and cons of a tummy tuck and breast lift slash implants at the same time. So I'll look at that. Um, Amy, the pros of doing it, so it's a perfectly reasonable combination to do a tummy thing and a breast thing at the same time, whatever it may be. Uh, um, they call it a mummy makeover, but it's a it's a combination of a, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a mummy. It's just someone who's having a breast procedure uh, and a, a cosmetic breast and a, and a tummy tuck type procedure at the same time. So the pros are that you get it all done in one go. It's all one healing, one time off work. Um, get all over it in one session so there's a lot to be said for it and i totally understand why people would do it uh the other pro about it is it is cheaper than doing it separately uh not drastically but there is a cost saving in by the way that's the guinea pigs i still got the guinea pigs uh they're staying with us i think till tomorrow so i think tomorrow they're going back to their rightful owners um so um so there is a cost saving with having them both done at the same time and there is one recovery. So those are the pros of doing it in one go. The cons of doing it in one go is it is a big op. 
um it's a big op a tummy tuck's a big op and what are you talking about having done so that's you know pretty much as big as you can get a tummy tuck and a breast lift with implants so those are both big ops in their own right and so it's a lot to do it all in one go uh the you're not got an increased risk of complications compared to having them done separately but you're adding them together so if you get a bit of wound healing problems at the at the breast and a bit of a dog ear at the tummy or a bit of a swelling here or a bit of a this there it's just you know you're adding it all together so it's quite stressful it's quite a lot to go through there's quite a lot of potential for issues problems things that don't heal up properly little um bits and bobs of swelling and, and things like that so it, you have to be sort of mentally as well as physically prepared for it so it is a lot to go through in one in one session and so many people would say look i'm going to do one see how i get on and then do another one at a later date but uh, at the end of the day amy it's totally up to you but it is an acceptable combination also known as a mummy makeover and it's perfectly reasonable to do them to uh get her so what shall i do oh my lord I'm, I'm, i know what's gonna happen i'm gonna lose control of this i'm gonna lose control of the chat right i'm just gonna i'm just gonna so junie I will go over again about how you tell if your surgeon is a plastic surgeon, because that is my special interest. Oh, that's a big comment, isn't it? That is my special interest. Junie, I've written a book on it, as you know. Um, we keep telling people on our support groups to check, but they are fed rubbish from those selling surgery and they believe it. They think we have an axe to grind, but we just think that plastic surgery should be done by plastic surgeons if they want the best results. That We think that too, Junie. Um, uh, Olivia, can't wait. Hope, uh, hoping to watch yeah well hope you are there olivia but if not i'll see you later as in on the replay um i need to watch this defo, defo so tammy stazzy i hope you're here helen the dressing question is an interesting one honey versus iodine thanks helen <laughs> I hope i give an interesting answer the question's interesting anyway so i hope the, I hope the answer fits the question sue um how long after gastric bypass would you consider ski skill removal i.e arm lift first um sue I talk to your gastric bypass people because you've got to be in a position where you are um when you have a gastric bypass you or when you have sort of bariatric surgery or weight loss surgery you're in a catabolic state which means your body is breaking down is is um is is breaking itself down sort of thing in order to lose the weight um and when you heal you want to be in an anabolic state you want to be in a building yourself up position situation so you have to be um so you need to leave it a certain period of time um i i can't answer the question in terms of when your body is in a building up um position that's something that you'd have to talk to with the people who are sort of helping you with your with the gastric band hopefully there are people who will help you with the gastric band um so that is one important thing you need to be in a healthy body position where your diet is healthy your calorific intake is healthy and you're getting you know you you're you're um having a, a healthy intake because you're going to have to have wounds to heal the other thing is you've got to be stable with your weight so that's another thing which is sort of probably more my thing so you've got to be stable with your weight so if you are continuing to lose weight you don't really want to be having body contouring surgery because you make things tight when you do body contouring surgery you then go and lose weight afterwards and you might have some skin laxity um, um so i would say six months would be my minimum but it might be 12 or even 18 months, depending on um, the catabolic thing and depending on your situation and how you feel as well. Um, you've got to be feeling, you know, strong and ready for it. But six months would be my minimum, Sue, 
is my short answer, I guess. Right. Um, Emma, how long does it take to see the full results from having inner thigh lipo? The full results, Emma. Um, right. Well, um, this is implying you've had inner thigh lipo, obviously. Uh, for me, inner thigh lipo, inner thighs are not great for lipo because the skin doesn't recoil so well. But anyway, when that's not, I'm, I'm answering a different question. So how long does it take to see the full results from having lipo, shall we say? Bit bruised and swollen for the first few weeks. I say things really, I guess about um, two to three months is when you start to see the full, full results of it. Um, maybe three to six months to get everything, you know, maybe some funny feelings in the skin, maybe you still have some contour irregularities, you know, can take six, 12, you know, months for things to really properly settle. But three months, I would say, is the short answer to that one. Three months, how long before the full effects? But it will continue to settle over over the months, over the coming months. Nicola, I need a lift. Booked in November for my revision, but wanting a TT a few months later. Will the TT ruin the lift at all? Will pulling all the skin down from upper abdomen? I need a lift. Booked into November for November for my revision, but wanting a TT a few months later. Will the TT ruin the lift? No. No, it won't, Nicola. Um, so I know what you I know I know what you're saying there. You're worried that the sort of breasts are going to get pulled down by the tummy tuck. But no, the, the inframammary fold, the fold uh the bottom that sort of delineates the bottom of the breast, the lower part of the breast, um, that will stay and that, that won't be um breached or affected by having a tummy tuck. So your lift will be fine. Um so you can have a so you can have it any way, way you, whichever way you want it. Booked in November for my revision, but wanting a tummy tuck a few months later. Yeah, you can do that. As long as you're all healed from the revision and everything um, from, from your, your lift, you can have a tummy tuck, no problem at all. Pulling the skin down will not ruin the lift. Sue, thank you for this information. Very helpful. Well, that's fine. Well, I'm glad, Sue. That's, um, yeah. So get yourself in an anabolic situation when you build, build up and then have it. Heather Emma. Is that the right way around? Heather Emma? I suppose Heather, of course. Of course, Heather. Like George Michael. Why not? Um, is it possible to have an arm lift with a 360 degree body lift together, or would you struggle to cope with moving about? You'd struggle to cope with moving about, Heather. Um, yeah. I mean, it's possible. Um, but it, it, I would do a 360 lift, which is one of my questions. For my first question, I would do a 360 lift and a, and a, and a breast procedure um because it's sort of in the same it's all trunk but i think a 360 lift and an arm lift for me is too much i think um in my my uh, my opinion i think you would struggle to cope to move around it's bad enough having a 360 lift um, but adding an arm lift to that i think is too much but you know it could be done uh, lots could be done whether it should be done um nicola i'm rust the message i didn't explain it properly it's okay, Nicola. I, have I answered it properly? I think it's fine to have a tummy tuck and a lift at, diff, at different times. And I don't think the tummy tuck will ruin the lift or the lift will ruin the tummy. I think you're worried about the tummy tuck ruining the lift, basically, but it won't. It'll be fine. Absolutely fine. So here we go. Um, three, where's that? Where's it gone? Hello? 360 degree lifts. Um, what is, I did a, my, um, thing about lifts and saying what's a 360 degree lift so basically a tummy tuck uh is where you take the front front uh apron or front bit of the skin 
weight or, and fat away from your tummy from your belly button down um and 360 degree lift or circumferential abdominoplasty or lower body lift uh these are um a, a circumferential tummy tuck so you it's a tummy tuck which you carry on going all the way around so you know you you, you get a scar that goes circumferentially around your body and when you do them, you've got to, and someone commented saying, I haven't got much problem with my back. I don't really need it. Now, it does take the skin off your back to, to, to sort of tighten the skin off that. 360 degree lifts, first of all, are not that common, although we've already got uh, Heather who's having one. So, but they're not that common. Um, and secondly, um, they're big ops. That's right. That's the other thing. They're big ops. So it's a big procedure, a 360 degree lift. And there's two reasons why it's a big procedure one reason is that it's a lot of stitching if you've ever seen a tummy tuck a tummy tuck is loads of stitching you have to stitch it in layers and it's a really long scar and you imagine a 360 degree lift is all the way around so it's a lot of stitching a lot of cutting a lot of stitching a lot of sculpting and it's a big op but the main reason i would say that a 360 degree lift is a big op is because of position you have to change position during the surgery and that is a big deal so um, try and think of it sort of from our point of view. Obviously, you're under a general anesthetic when you have a 360 degree lift, so you have to get circumferentially round. So um, there's two ways you can do it. You can either um, start prone, so lying on your front, do the back bit, and then turn you over on your back and do your, your front bit, or, and, that, and that, that's one turn, or you can have um, uh, start uh, on the side, then the other side, then the front. So... Um, that's you know a, a lateral lateral front so that's that's um it's a big deal turning you in when you're asleep when you're under anesthetic we don't like doing it because it's sort of dangerous because you tube and things like that so it's a big deal anytime you have to turn someone and that makes a 360 degree lift a big operation and um the main indication for it is not so much the back it's more for the sides, the side bits. You can really go wide on the side bits when you're going for a 360 degree lift. When you're doing a tummy tuck, you peter out at the sides. Um, you sort of, it goes down, it sort of tapers down to a point at the sides and you can't really get, if you look at the difference between the amount of skin and the max tightness you can get on the sides with a 360 degree lift compared to a tummy tuck, it's a lot more. But it's reserved really for people who have massive weight loss who've had a who've got a lot of redundant skin. So in my practice, it's quite it's, it's quite a small degree of a small number of people who qualify for that. Uh, but it's a big op with a big big risk of complications and, and what have you. And, uh, but it does really well on getting the side bits and the back as well. But you can't actually get a huge amount from the back when you actually see how much uh, skin you remove from the back. It's not a huge amount because you have to focus on the front. You have to really go for it on the tummy tuck and obviously the tummy tuck part of the 360 degree lift is putting uh, pressure on the back it's putting tension on the back wound so you don't want to make the back wound really tight because when you break the you know when you make the make the bit for the tummy tuck you're going to pull the wound open on the back so you go easy on the back and focus on the front but as i say for me it's really the sides where it gets a really good bit of skin excision um, let's not lose track of the comments here. Uh, uh, Roseanne, wondering how long after a tummy tuck is best before having lipo. Had lipo to flanks, but feel need a bit more and tummy. Um, well, uh, three months is the minimum, I would say, Roseanne, uh, because you've got to you let your results settle. Had lipo, but feel need a bit more. Because the thing about lipo, it swells. It swells. So you often have lipo and you think, hold on, they haven't done anything. When in fact, it's just swelling. 
So you have to let that swelling settle. So I would say, you know, ideally a year, Roseanne, but you might think that's a long time. So let's, okay, I'll meet you in the middle of six months. That's not in the middle, is it? But, you know, three months is minimum, ideally a year. You want, might want to have it sometime between those, depending on, it depends on how bad the problem, if the problem's really bad, you don't want to leave someone with a problem that's really bad. You want to get it fixed as soon as possible. But at the same time, if it's going to get better on its own, you don't want to operate if it's going to get better on its own. So it's not that bad. You think, actually, that's just, that might be swelling. It might get better on its own. It's best to leave it. The problem is if you leave it and then it still need it done, then you're going to turn around and say, well, we should have done it six months ago, but you don't know how everyone's going to settle. But I would go with um, six to 12 months, Roseanne, would be my answer to that. Nicola, despite the rushed question, I answered it. Thank you. Uh, Lauren A. Davies, what is the most common complication with a tummy tuck? Um, probably, oh, probably dog ear. Dog ear, probably a little bump at the end of the scar, maybe. Usually settled, but might have to cut them out. Probably. The other thing is a little bit of wound healing, bit of uh, stitches spitting out and things. That's not that common, but it's, you know, it happens. Um, yeah. And then you've got things like hematoma, seroma. But yeah, dog ears, probably the commonest, Lauren. It's not a disaster. It's just a little bump at the end of the scar. As I say, they usually settle, but they, if they don't, then you um, can always cut them out. Um, whether you call that a complication, I would, but, you know. Um, implants after breast reduction. I had a breast reduction surgery four years ago at the age of 17. I'm now 21, and with getting older and weight changes, I developed excess skin and sagging with my breasts. I'm 21, and with getting older, you're not getting older. 21's not getting older. God, dear. Anyway, sorry. Um, digressing. I have developed excess skin and sagging in my breasts. I wanted to speak to someone about what sort of options would be available to reconstruct my breasts, whether it would be possible to have implants put in to replace my natural tissue, Thank, etc. Thank you. So, can I have a couple of... Is this... Is that acceptable to have a cup of tea halfway? Is that rude? Sorry if I'm doing that. It's just going cold. I... Not sure what the protocol is for this, but anyway, it's um, so. OK, so this comes down. I, I should do a blog post about this, a video, I should do a video about this. The thing about the breast is size and shape Two two things, the bre breast size and shape. So the question is, what's the problem? Is it size or shape? And broadly speaking, I've got an infographic. I should do an infographic, shouldn't I? Oh, just push, putting it together now in my mind, an infographic. So anyway, size is implants. Assuming it's too small. Obviously, it's a reduction if they're too big. But size is implants. Shape is a lift. So you're saying you're getting older because you're 21. Weight changes, develop excess skin and sagging. I'd like to speak about my options. Would it be possible to have implants? Now, implants is size. So if you're happy with the size, then no, don't have implants. Size make implants make them bigger. Now you've already had a breast reduction. So I wouldn't have implants just to make, you know, I wouldn't have implants because implants make them bigger. It sounds like a shape thing, excess skin and sagging. So it's a shape thing. So that's a lift. You need a lift. Uh, and it might be that you've got quite large breasts, which will increase the chance of them sagging because they're operated on by gravity. So it might be worth thinking about another reduction, maybe even if they're, if they're large, 
to make them even smaller. But it depends on how you feel about the size. If you're happy with the size, it's just a lift. If you're not happy with the size, you could have them reduced. Or if you want them bigger, then you could have implants. But I wouldn't do implants just for shape. Now, implants can do stuff for shape. This is where the infographic gets a bit confusing now, because I don't know how you get this into the infographic. Because implants will give, obviously, enhancement of volume and fullness. But you have to have a certain size of implant to give to do things to shape. If you're using implants for shape, they have to be a certain size to give that volume to fill the breast footprint. And so if you don't want to be bigger, I wouldn't go down the route of having implants just to try and enhance the shape. If it's a mainly shape problem, it's probably a lift, which will be better than going down the implant route if it's mainly shape and not size. And if it's size and shape, you will think about having um, a lift and implants is, is an option. Uh, Roseanne, I'll wait, hang on at least six months. Yeah, and see, yeah, I would do that, Roseanne, yeah. So this is the one, this is a big one. How can I tell if my surgeon is a plastic surgeon? Oh, nice cup of tea. Blimey, this is a big, long thing. Your post on plastic credentials has sparked debate. People listen, interpret it to set the surgeon who's got FRCS plast before FRCS came out. Uh, also remember biceps. Uh, shot comments. Lyle no has hit legal. Says barps and Bapras. I wonder if you can clarify the position regarding so-called grandfather rights and ISAPs in your next live. As it says, right? Okay. Whoa. Um. You know what? This is a nightmare. And you might, as a layperson. All due respect, you might think, why is this a nightmare? I just want to know if this person's a plastic surgeon or not. It is a nightmare to find out, really, the nubbins of it. I struggle. I just, look, I've, if you say to me, is this person a plastic surgeon? I'd have to do some research, you know, try and piece it together. And it's a nightmare. And I've written a book on it. I've written a book on it. You might think, why have you written a book on it? I've written a book on how to choose a plastic surgeon via plastic, via cosmetic breast surgery. Never accept a lift from strangers available from all good bookshops. Actually, I don't think it is actually available from bookshops, but it's available from Amazon, Amazon or my website, never accept a lift from strangers.com. Anyway, plug over. But why, why have I written a book on it? I've written a book on how to find a plastic surgeon. Surely it should be easy, but it's not easy because of this sort of stuff going on. People are like, oh, I don't know if he is. I think he is. He's not. America has got this thing board certified. They've got a thing board certified board certification for a specialist so you go on the american websites and they all say look for a board certified plastic surgeon boom pithy to the point you know where you are board certified plastic surgeon we need something like that because we haven't got something like that because that is just easy then you, the, this question would be in america how can i tell if my plastics my surgeon's a plastic surgeon well look to check that he's board certified plastic surgeon next question move on in the uk it's not like that it is a bit of a nightmare now the frcs plast thing i because i think i might have said in one of my lives look for frcs plast the problem is the things that i say are things to say to you to look for plastic surgeons the problem is not um 
So for instance, FRCS Plast, if someone's got FRCS Plast, they are definitely a fully trained. They've finished their training. They've got the specialist fellowship with the uh, Royal College of Surgeons. But as they, as you say about this grandfather thing, some surgeons were around before they did FRCS Plast and might not have FRCS Plast and still be plastic surgeons. Now, I have to say, this is going to be quite a senior surgeon because there's FRCS Plast has been here quite a while, but there are some senior surgeons who are not FRCS Plast but are still fully trained plastic surgeons. So the next thing, consultant plastic surgeon in the NHS. If you've been or if you are a consultant plastic surgeon in the NHS, boom, you have to be fully trained. So that's another nice way of looking at it. You say, look, if someone's a consultant plastic surgeon in the NHS or has been a consultant plastic surgeon in the NHS, they're fully trained. The problem is, I mean, I left the NHS, so I'm no longer a plastic surgeon in the NHS, but I used to be. I had a full-time substantive NHS consultant post. Um, the problem is there are some people out there who finished their training and didn't get an NHS consultant job and have gone straight into private practice. So there are people there who have also finished their training but haven't got FRCS Plus. There are also people from overseas who maybe have got NHS consultant jobs who haven't got FRCS Plus. They've got an equivalent. So that is the problem. The problem is nothing's 100%. Everything I say is not 100%. Like FRCS Plus, yes, they're a plastic surgeon, but there are surgeons out there who haven't got FRCS Plus. BAPS, sorry, BAR used to be called BAPS, British Association of Plastic Surgeons. BAPS now became now BAPRAS. BAPRAS and BARPS are the plastic surgery associations. You have to be a plastic surgeon to be a member of them. You can be an associate if you are an, an ancillary specialty like ENT or something, if you're doing rhinoplasties and things. But um, broadly speaking, if someone's a member of BAPRAS and or BARPS, they are a fully trained plastic surgeon. So this surgeon that is in question here is a member of BAPRAS and BARPS and ISAPS. I'll talk about ISAPS in a minute, but that means they're fully. So I think this guy is OK. He is a fully trained plastic surgeon if he's a member of BAPRAS and BARPS. Um, but you don't have to be a member of BAPRAS and BARPS. It costs thousands of pounds every year. You have to pay a subscription in there. And there might be some plastic surgeons who say, well, why do I want to do that? I don't want to be a member of those guys. I'm not paying them all that money. So you can still be a plastic surgeon and not be a member of BAPRAS and BARPS. Um, ISAPS is the International Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. And again, they will only take people who are fully trained plastic surgeons. So if someone's a member of ISAPS, they're fully trained. Um, these associations, you have to have two full members to, um, what's the word, put you up for it, like, you know, recommend you. You have to have, you know, um, same with BARPS, you have to have a, and I'm maybe back press as well. I can't remember. So, but, you know, you have to have, you have to be sort of, um, um, you know, like a gentleman's club. What is it? Introduced sort of thing. Um, so th uh, this person in question is a member of BAPRAS, BARPS and ISAPS. So this guy's a plastic surgeon. He's not got FRCS Plast. That's fine. He's obviously a senior surgeon who was there before the FRCS Plast. So how do you tell if someone's a plastic surgeon? Well, you look for BAPRAS, you look for BARPS, you look for ISAPS. If they are a member of any or all of them or, or they are a fully trained plastic surgeon, but they could be a fully trained plastic surgeon and not be a member of them. You look for FRCS Plast. Again, if they've got it, they're a fully trained plastic surgeon, but they could be fully trained if they're, if they're old. They'd have to be pretty old, to be honest, to not, if they're old, if they're not old and they're not FRCS Plast, then they're not a plastic surgeon. Or if they're FRCS something else like um, uh, GEN, G-E-N, that's general surgeon, or ORL, that's ENT surgery, or ORTH, that's orthopedic surgery. If they've got another specialty in brackets, 
that means they're trained in that other specialty. Um, look for an NHS consultant, someone who is or has been an NHS consultant, but again, some people never were NHS consultants and went straight into the private. Some people you were NHS consultants and left. So I don't know what to say. It's really difficult is the answer. Do your research. You can look if someone's, the other thing you can look up on the, on the specialist register. That's the other thing actually. So um, you go to gmc-uk, I think it is, .org, the GMC. Um, and then you can put in there, if they've got a funny name like me, uh, you can put in their name if they we're encouraged to give our GMC numbers uh, out freely. Four double one seven two one four is my GMC number. So you can go on the GMC website, gmc-org. Sorry about the train. Uh, UK uh, GMC. What is it? GMC. Anyway, just look for the GMC. Uh, GMC. Dot dash dash org dot uk i think it is is it got it wrong no i got it wrong okay um anyway go to the gmc website and you will dash uk.org all right there you go um go to the gmc website and there's a little thing in the corner saying check yeah search the register there it is search the register um and then you you put in their their um, name or their um, GMC number, and if they're on the specialist register, that means they've finished their training, um, and it will say specialist register for plastic surgery from and then the year, or they'll, they'll either be on the specialist register or on the GP register. If they're on the GP register, they're a GP. If they're on the specialist register, they're a fully trained specialist in a specialty. If they're not on the specialist register or on well, if they're not on the specialist register, then they're not a fully they're not fully trained in a specialty uh, in surgery. And um, the reason I wrote the book and the reason why this is an issue is because you can do surgery on people and not be uh, have any specialist training. That's the problem that there's no sort of law against. Everyone thinks, oh, there must be a law against it. No, there's no law against it. Anyone can just just you know leave the well. I guess they have to have done the NHS for a bit, leave at any point of their training uh, and and just go into the private sector and say, I'm going to do surgery. Now, one thing is if you go, that's the other thing you can do. If you go to one of the big hospitals like Spire, BMI, Ramsey, Nuffield, um, you know, the big, um, the big companies that have hospitals all over the country, you can only work there if you are fully trained. And if you're basically the equivalent of an NHS consultant. So if you go to one of those hospitals, then you can be reassured. The problem is if, if someone's just working in a clinic or some of the cosmetic companies have got their own hospitals so they can choose who they give practicing privileges to. So then you can be less assured of them being fully trained. But certainly the major ones, you have to be fully trained. So that's the other thing you can do. Um, but unfortunately it's a messy answer i'm not happy with my answer it's a messy answer it's a messy field it's a messy subject uh, i've written a book on it because it is so messy i wish it was easier i wish i could say you tell you've got a plastic surgeon by doing this boom but it is not easy at all and it's pathetic really if you think about it and then all these people come back and they say my surgeon wasn't a plastic surgeon it's all gone wrong and i only realized afterwards and you can't blame them 
you can't blame the, the 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 patient because it's so hard to tell whether you have plastic surgeon or not um and i think the problem is they limited the numbers of plastic surgeons years ago so there's not that many plastic surgeons in the country and so obviously a lot of other surgeons have taken up the the slack and, and are doing the work but um well that's the other thing i'd say actually i will the other thing i will say is and i write talk about this in my book is that just because someone's not a plastic surgeon doesn't mean they can't do sort of some plastic surgery procedures ent surgeons do a lot of um, rhinoplasties for instance so you know they don't have to be plastic surgeon to be doing to be doing the work but the main problem i've got and sometimes you come up to you know and the ent surgeons call themselves facial plastic surgeons just to get the word plastic in you know but they're actually ent surgeons the problem i've got or not the problem but the thing i think is that they should tell or at least patients shouldn't think they're plastic surgeons i see people all the time who say oh my plastic surgeon this or that because the numbers are so small of plastic surgeons in the uk if you said to me my plastic surgeon this and gave me a name i would probably know the name i'd probably know the person i may not know him personally or her but i would know the name and sometimes say oh my plastic surgeon so and so i'm like I don't think they're a plastic surgeon. I don't know that name. I don't know who that is. So there's a lot of people out there who are doing this stuff who are not fully trained plastic surgeons. In fact, I go so far as to say the majority of the work is being done by people who aren't plastic surgeons. And that is the world we're in, people. But it's good that you guys are looking into it and asking these questions. I'm just sorry I can't give you a lovely, nice, succinct answer. Like the Americans, boom, board certified. You know where you stand. But that's where we are. We're not. We haven't got it. FRCS displast is pretty good, to be honest. Look for FRCS plast, but then you get this fella who's you know, who's not got it, and everyone's saying he's not a plastic surgeon. But it sounds like he is if he's if he's bar uh, and barbs and iceps. Woo! Have a lie down now. Are you personally taking on new patients, Gemma? I am Gemma. I am. I've been running the clinic and I and I stopped taking on new patients a while ago. The problem is I've got four other surgeons at the clinic now and they are booking up. They're not they've got. You know, they're booking up for months in advance, struggling to get theatre slots before Christmas. So it's crazy and that's not a good service and that's not what I wanted. So, yes, I've said that I will take patients myself again. We need more surgeons. We need more build, you know, build up the business, build up the practice. But at the moment, yes, I am Gemma. I am seeing patients. At the moment um if they were nhs consultant would it show on gmc as a specialism uh i'm going to put it the other way junie if they're an nhs consultant they will be on the gmc specialist register they will be on the you can't get an nhs consultant job you can't get a permanent substantive um substantive means sort of permanent so don't know why i said both words um, but you know, a, a permanent, um, would, yeah, as opposed to a locum. So, a, so a permanent job without being on the GMC specialist register, you have to have your. It's called a CCST, completion of surgical training, certificate of completion of surgical training, CCST. So yeah, you get your CCST, your, you know, and you have it on the wall in the, you know, and and then you get on the specialist register. So then an NHS consultant would be on this GMC register. And you could tell what specialty they're um, they're a specialist in. This is a big. I love it. I love. Well, I sort of love it. I, I, it's a, it's a frustrating, but it's good to talk about it. And I, you know, and it's 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 interesting topic. Um, Vicky Murto, good name, Vicky, by the way. 
is it best to lose not that all your names aren't good people you know not singling out vicky but that is you know uh is it best to lose all weight you need to lose before having a tt or could you just have lipo oh vicky lose it first lipo is not a weight loss thing lose it first definitely before a tummy tuck because a uh, a tummy tuck tightens the skin and if you lose weight you get some redundant skin but um lipo is for resistant areas of fat resistant pockets of fat lipo isn't for, for sort of globally losing weight it's not the best much better to lose weight naturally the problem with lipo you can overdo it you can underdo it you can get dense you can get um bumps so you can get all you, you can get you know any sort of surgical complications so you don't have surgery if you don't need to so lipo is is really for resistant areas of flat fat that don't go with weight loss so yes nasty question yes it is best to lose weight that's the answer <clears throat> excuse me Lawrence in the house thoughts on using an overseas surgeon question mark i've seen someone in turkey who looks very god often on turkish tv giving advice and on panels etc sounds like a god lauren you met a turkish god um well um lauren i don't and i talk about it in my book as well <laughs> i don't recommend people going abroad and I don't recommend people traveling far for surgery. And that's the same the other way. When people try and come in abroad to come here for surgery, you know, don't particularly recommend it. And I think if you can, you should look for a surgeon close to home because two reasons. First of all, training. You can do all the things I've just said about the GMC, NHS, blah, blah, blah. Look for to check their specialist training, although it's not obviously that easy but it, you know you can check to see someone is fully trained in this country if you go to turkey i haven't got a clue how to tell whether they're fully trained i don't know what the training's like the training in different countries is different some countries train to different levels um some they have different systems within their public systems like we've got the nhs you have to be very once you're a consultant you are an independent practitioner that is on your own in other countries when you're a consultant you're, you're still under the um under the sort of auspices of a, of a professor so you're not to the same level as the nhs in the uk the nhs consultant is you know right at the top of the tree whereas in other countries and other health systems the um so-called consultant is not at the top of the tree it's the professor who's at the top of the tree and the consultants are still under their sort of wing if you like so i don't know anything about the, Tur the turkish training and i can't really tell you how to know if this this chap is fully trained um the other thing is traveling is not good. Air travel's got problems with terms of DVTs and clots and things. So you don't really want to do it around surgery time. If you have any issues after the surgery, it can, well, I won't say it can. Might it be difficult to see your surgeon? Might it be difficult if you have a dog ear and you want a revision? Uh, if you've got a bit of a wound infection, you've got a bit of redness and swelling. You know, we often get people who are ring the clinic and say, look, you know, can you help me? I've got some redness and swelling. In fact, I'll get it on this quite a lot of people asking me questions and i feel like saying well you should be asking your surgeon really and then like, i can't get hold of my surgeon and you know I'm like well not very good but anyway i suppose that could happen in the uk to be honest with you maybe that's not maybe i'm being unfair maybe turkey people do want to you know um but these are the things you've got to look out for um and the other thing is you've got to ask yourself um here we go anita's saying here um I'd like to know the same about 360 surgery in Turkey. So 360 surgery is really expensive uh, and it will be. And, the, and that's the other thing about Turkey or slash overseas. It's a lot cheaper. And you've got to ask yourself, why is it a lot cheaper? Um, 
And one, and I don't know exactly why Turkey would be, well, I don't even know if it is cheaper. I imagine it's cheaper. Otherwise, why, why would you go there? But, but maybe, maybe you're Turkish, which I'm not saying it's wrong to go to Turkey. God, we're liable now. Um, let's just go away from Turkey. Let's say overseas. So you, you know, you, you why, why would you want to go overseas? Um, I think a lot of people go because it's cheaper. Oh, no, no, a lot of people go because it's cheaper and it's a big thing, people going overseas. And um, why is it, well, one thing is we have indemnity insurance. We're um, as plastic surgeons. And again, that's another reason to choose a plastic surgeon because um, as plastic surgeons working in the hospitals, the Spire, the BMI, the Ramses, the et cetera, et cetera, we have to have indemnity to a certain level, usually around five or 10 million uh, pounds indemnity um, cover. So we are covered if there are, God forbid, there are any problems. We have insurance, medical insurance. Um, and it may be that other surgeons overseas are not covered to the same degree. If you have any issues in this country, you go to the GMC, you go to Barbs, Bapras, all these places. If you have any you know, need for recourse, you don't necessarily have that in the when you go overseas because you don't know, you know who to go to if you've got any concerns or uh, problems. But. What I would say to you, uh, Lauren and Anita, is what I say to any everybody. You know, look at the surgeon. Try and find their qualifications if you can. Uh, if they look like they've got good results, happy patients, they're on TV. Maybe they are. You know, and you know people have had it done. You know, you've got to make a decision. I know, but I can't say to people, don't go. You know, I don't think it's good to go. I think it's good to be, have your surgeon down the road. I think it's good to go locally. So if you've got any problems, you can see them for the follow-ups and things. But I understand cost is an issue. And so I don't know what to say. Do do what you think is right, but I don't recommend it personally. And as I say, I do that. And you might be saying, oh, you're saying that because you don't want people to go abroad. I do it both ways. When people want to come from far away to see me, I say, look, have a look if there's someone closer. <clears throat> It's not because I want to do more work. It's because I'm trying to give you good advice. So I, I think it's good to stay close to home. If you live in, um, uh, you know, Skegness or something, look for a surgeon in Skegness. Um, you know, you don't want to come all the way to Birmingham for... Oh, where's Skegness? Is that... I don't know where Skegness is. But anyway, if you live far away is the point. Um, anyway, whoop, hui, Gemma. Yep, I'm seeing you. I'm happy to see you, Gemma. Um, Heather Emma, back in the house. What are your views on the lock and glue tummy tuck? Are there any benefits to it? My views, Heather, are obviously there are benefits to it uh, because otherwise people wouldn't do it. Um, and obviously there are benefits to not doing it. Otherwise people wouldn't not, not do it. Wouldn't not not do it? Wouldn't do it. Would do it. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. There's good and bad. Everything there's good and bad. Um, so the the lock and the glue there's two, there's two things with the lock and glue the lock is the locking suture the v suture the 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 um uh v lock suture i i and a lot of people like it and it's i'm not saying it's bad and the good thing about the v lock suture is quick and it's particularly good for the glue because you haven't got much time 
because the glue sort of sets, so you haven't got much time to get the closure in. So that V-lock is good because you can do it quickly. Um, personally, I don't like it because it, I do interrupted sutures. I do one suture at a time so I can adjust things. If you look at the tummy tuck, you often have things with dog ears and you have to adjust it and what have you. And I find it a lot easier to just to adjust it with one suture at a time. And I've got more control over using a normal suture rather than the barb suture. The barb suture is quite thick and it's very hard to get out. If you put a stitch in wrong or something, the whole point of it, it's barbed. So you, you can't get it back out again because it's like a fish hook. So it can't come back out again. So if you put a stitch in wrong or something, it's hard to get out. And, you know, it takes a long time to dissolve. There might be issues there. So I personally, personally, I'm happy with the way I do it. I'm not saying it's bad to do it that way. I know a lot of people use the V, the locking suture and the glue. Again, the glue, I personally, I don't like it because I worry that you cough afterwards. You might give some shearing, might make a bit of space, might make more chance of having seroma. So I use drains. I do use quilting sutures to quilt down the space. And I think, you know, I'm trying to move away from drains because I know that people don't like drains. Uh, but my way of going would probably, well, not probably, would be going down the quilting sutures way rather than the glue way. Not a big fan of glue personally, but then a lot of people are. So uh, that's my worry. My worry is that, you know, after you cough, you shear. I worry that glue would just shear a bit, make a bit of space. So um, I don't do it, but that doesn't, that's why I don't do it. And then you just got to talk to people to do it and say, this is why I do do it. I'd be aware of people saying, this is the best. This is the best way of doing it. You know, if there was the best way of doing it, we'd all doing it. Um, so I'm not saying my way is the best way of doing it. I'm not saying that's the best way of doing it. I'm just saying pros and cons. Look for people, look at the results. If they're getting good results with whatever they're doing, go for it. Why not? Mm. That is properly cold now. That is properly cold tea. Ooh, nasty. I'd love to, Anita, Anita, I'd love to have mine here, but I'm 46 and would take me another four years to save up the cash difference needed. I'm worried about the travel. Do you have of any aftercare people have been? Good question, Anita. And I do get this. I'm not going to say a lot, but I do get this. And the answer is no, Anita. That is the problem. We don't really do an aftercare. I've had people say, look, can I have my surgery in, you know, somewhere overseas and then just see you for aftercare? The the way the structure of the of the business is of cosmetic surgery or you know just the way it is is that this that the costs are on the surgery you know i look at friends of mine who do other sorts of um things like cardiology and you know whatever anyway other sort of doctors and they look at what you get paid for doing an operation they think oh my god you get paid all that money for operation wow you must be over loads of money because if you do that many operations a day and wow you could earn millions and millions of pounds you're like hold on a minute that's the only time you get paid pretty much we do charge for the initial consultation but just the initial one you get paid for the surgery and you can't just say that surgery takes three hours you get paid all this money therefore you're getting paid so much money per hour because that's not all you're getting paid for you're getting paid for all of the aftercare before the after the consultation the clinics blah, blah, blah. So we don't charge for the aftercare. So um, all the dressings, the problems, the wounds, the this, the that, the dog ears, the revision, all that sort of stuff, don't charge for it. So it's sort of front ended on the on the cost of the of the surgery. So then it's you can't really sort of have your surgery overseas and then come and say, oh, can I just have my aftercare? 
because we haven't got like, oh yeah, aftercare costs this much money, so you can just have the aftercare. So we don't do that. Maybe that's something we should think about doing, but we don't at the moment. I don't really know anyone who does that. So unfortunately, if you have a problem, what often happens is people end up going to A&E and going to the NHS and things like that and, you know, or whatever, or come on here and ask me and I'm like, oh, really, I don't know, you should ask your surgeon, you know. Um, but um, yeah, so no, Anita. And I, but I understand about the money thing and I don't know what to say. I'm not got the answers and I understand that's why it is a big business because it is a lot cheaper overseas and it's a shame it's a real shame it's a shame that we can't be when you look at the prices overseas you just think we just couldn't do it we're making a loss you know the hospitals the the the, the things the hospitals have to go through the the, the um oh, what's the word not security like um what's the word the sort of things to get the hospitals you know what I mean? The things to get the hospitals to a certain level of of um, cleanliness and infection control and making sure everyone's got all their paperwork up to date. You know, all the bureaucracy thing, CQ, CQC and all that. Anyway, it's a very high level. Infection control, accountability, governance, procedures in place. It's, you know. Um, listen, everyone. Um, Olivia, Olivia's partially here, but she may have to leave again due to work. So um, just, just, just thought we'd let you uh, let you all know that. Gillian says hello. Did you put that heart there for me? Oh, blimey, what? What? Just getting what heart? Olivia, don't no, Olivia. I don't think I did. Sorry, I don't know what heart. Yet. Blimey. Whew. Lauren, there's a clinic in London. You can purchase an aftercare package. Well, there you go, Lauren. Who was that? So, Lauren, um, can you let Anita know? <laughs> She's looking for an aftercare package. There you go. There's a clinic in London where you can purchase an aftercare package. I'll tell you something, Lauren. Is that plastic surgeon? Because that sounds a bit... Hmm. Oh, here we go, Lauren, for people who've gone overseas. Lauren, oh, here we go. Lauren, Rachel's in. We're getting in. Lauren, regulations. Thank you. <laughs> regulations, right uh lauren is this because they've had surgery with that clinic or are you saying they offer an aftercare package for people that have gone abroad uh yeah regulations that was the word thank you yes for people who've gone overseas okay well there you go um lauren knows about a clinic in london where you can purchase an aftercare package um so that will be worth worth looking at for people who've gone overseas um it's i don't I don't know of a plastic surgeon who would sort of fancy taking on someone else's oops, someone else's patients once they've had surgery. You know, the principle for most of us is once you've operated on someone, it's your responsibility. Um, you know, that's how most of us would work. But anyway, maybe there is. Um, how does the twilight anesthetic work please twilight anesthetic kim is a lot of people say i don't want a general i want it under local now local anesthetic is when you inject anesthetic into the area so it's good for moles cysts little things you know um if you're having a bigger operation like a breast augmentation or or something like that um you can have twilight anesthetic which isn't full general anesthetic it's a local anesthetic so you inject 
the in injection, but also it's with sedation. So it's basically local anesthetic with sedation. So you're drowsy. So there's an anesthetist there, which you don't have with pure local anesthetic. There's an anesthetist there and you are monitored and you are sedated. So you're tired. You're not sort of like totally awake. Um, but it's for people who don't want a, a general anesthetic. You do tend to recover more quickly. Uh, and patients, for you know, certainly for things like breast augmentation, it's perfectly reasonable. And we can always convert to a general anesthetic if you are finding it uncomfortable. Um, but for the right patient, it is good. Now, you do sense, you can feel bits and bobs, and sometimes you think, oh, that feel that bit, and you have to put more local in things. So you have to be on board with it. But it is a good way of doing certain operations. But basically, twilight anesthetic is a, is a local anesthetic with sedation. Rachel says, Lauren, I'd like to hear more about this as it's unusual. Yeah, me too, Lauren. Yeah, it is unusual. That's the aftercare package um, in London. But yeah, that, that is unusual. Uh, where up to here? We're up to here, aren't we? What can I do about the swelling after lift and impulse? Thank you. I'll join it as I have my pocket tightened. I think that's I'm saying come on. Anyway, I had my pocket tightened two weeks ago, had uplift with implants a year ago, but four additional surgeries since due to excess skin. Had seroma twice straight after the first initial op. Four additional procedures were done in office via numbing. Now have a breast infection, which one I wasn't told. Swelling is out of this world. Two lots of antibiotics and nothing helps to cure symptoms i.e. pain and excess swelling in the one breast. Whew. Wow. Um, right, there you go. Right, so what's, the, what's this operation? Uplift and implants. Well, you know, this is... Uplift with implants is a big op. It's a big op and it's a big risk of complications. And one of the problems when you get complications, one of the problems when you have surgery... It creates more sort of scarring and more swelling and what have you. And this patient has had, um, I don't know what sort of period of time, but four operations. So every operation is more scarring and more scarring. And so, yeah, I mean, the swelling, this is what, to be honest with you, this is one that you use for your surgeon, really. It's not for me. I, I don't really. Um, so I'm going to have to talk in general terms. So basically, breast lift with implants is a big op. Four revisions is a lot of operations to have. And every time you have a surgery, there's going to be more swelling. Um, I'd be very worried about the, the uh, infection. We treat infection very seriously when there's an implant involved. So if the antibiotics aren't working, then you need to, you know, we would start with oral antibiotics, tablets. And if they're not working, maybe go to intravenous tablet uh, antibiotics. But intravenous antibiotics means admission to hospital. Um, again, another thing where if you're sort of far from home, it can be an issue. But um, you need to get on infection very aggressively when you've got implants in, because if infection gets to the implant, you have to remove the implant. Uh, and it just worries me that you're saying that uh, the swelling was out of this world. It just makes me, and breast infection, you're telling me you've got a breast infection. I mean, this is something you need to see your surgeon. You had a breast lift with implants and you got swelling and pain. You need to see your surgeon because that if that implant is infected, it needs to come out. You need to have surgery, implant out. Well, I shouldn't say that because I'm not seeing you, but that is the risk. If your implant gets infected, you have to remove it. Because often if you don't remove the implant, it just never settles with antibiotics because the implant hasn't got a bloodstream. So the antibiotics are in your bloodstream, but they never get to the implant. So it's it's a this is a worrying case here. 
Um, so you, the answer is, I think you need to see your surgeon. I'm sorry you're having these problems, um, but that sounds like a serious problem. Oh, hold on a minute. The chat's kicking off. Uh, where are we up to? Anita, I took my daughter to Harley Street, London. She had twilight anaesthetic. She was great. Home to Liverpool the same day. Whoa. She walked back to the room with her new boobs. Look at that. There you go. So that is what I'm talking about. That's how you do it. Well done, Anita. That sounds great. Vicky, are implants still dangerous to have? How would you make sure that the implants on offer are safe? Um, Vicky, are implants still dangerous? Oh, dear, oh, dear. That's a big question, Vicky. Little, little, look at the size of that question. Little three lines. How do you answer that question? So, Vicky, there are risks with having implants. There are risks with having surgery, having an anaesthetic. Obviously, twilight or local insulation is less than a general, but still there are risks. There are risks of infection. You have to remove the implant if it gets infected, capstrip contracture, um, rippling, rotation, further surgery. There is um, the ALCL risk, which is maybe what you think about the dangerous thing with the cancer associated with implants. There are risks. Now, I've got to say the risks are small and the risks are there are risks with other things. One of the studies said, said that the risk of going skiing for a week, uh, your risk of dying is twice that the risk of dying from ALCL for having breast implants for, for, for life. But we don't not go skiing. You know, you could say, well, you know, we can't have that. We can't have people going skiing because they could die. Let's ban skiing. So, you know, um, so there are risks. So it's about weighing up the risk for the benefits. So if the benefits aren't going to be great, don't do it. Don't have surgery. Then there's no risks there. Carry on. And, you know, but if you ha are going to have benefit and a lot of people have benefited from having implants and the risks are low, then that the, the weighing might be in the favor of the benefits. So there's always going to be risks with doing stuff, whether it be going skiing or whether it be having breast implants. And you have to weigh up the benefits against the risks to see whether it's right for you. So unfortunately, the media use terms like they're dangerous to have and all this sort of stuff. I wouldn't say they're dangerous to have, but I would say that there are risks which you have to think about and mitigate just like you do every single time you go out the door and you get in your car and you go on the motorway. There are risks, but the benefit of going to wherever you're going outweighs the risk because the risk of anything happening is very small it's the same sort of thing so how do we make sure the brain implants on offer are safe so the to be honest the main risks to be honest with you are things like infection hematoma malposition rippling you know things like that which are the same with it's not an implant's fault it's just life and surgery and things can get infected so it's you know it's the main thing with the implant, I guess, is a capsular contracture, but that can happen. And there are things you can do to prevent it with different types of implants. But the main thing is, is I guess, is the ALCL that's recently come out. So how do you make sure they're safe? Well, there's smooth implants you could have, which have got less likelihood of ALCL, but more likelihood of becoming, getting a capsular contracture. You can't have teardrop shape. Um, so there are sort of risks with having a smooth implant, but there are benefits because you are less likely to get ALCL. So again, you have to weigh up the risk and benefits to see what's right for you. But that's a big question there, Vicky. You dropped you dropped a big one. Dropped a jumbo. I guess the aftercare package is a nurse to remove stitches and dress wounds. I doubt you would see a proper surgeon. Yeah, don't know, Junie. Makes more sense. How bad is lymphedema with implants? Am I to be concerned? How bad is lymphedema with implants? What do you mean? Do you mean 
you've got lymphedema and you think you're having implants or if you have implants can it cause i don't think lymphedema implants can cause lymphedema is that how the question is how bad is lymphedema so lymphedema no lymphedema doesn't really get caused by implants lymphedema is more when you get into the armpit messing about with the armpit the lymphatics are in your armpit and so that can affect i'm assuming you're talking about lymphedema of your arm so um am i to be concerned does that mean you've got lymphedema so if you've got implants in and you've got lymphedema yeah i think you need to see your doctor see your surgeon or see someone but um yeah best place for a facelift please um well we've got Kurum who does facelifts at the clinic um again look for a facial plastic surgeon not me i'm a breast guy um but uh look for a facial plastic surgeon uh and a bit like the turkey thing look for people who've who've got good um good reviews and good experience uh there's a guy i don't know where you are catherine what, what part of the world are you in if you're in birmingham we've got kurum kana our clinic there's a guy called hiroshi nishikawa and also a guy called fazal fatar both of those work at the westbourne center uh they're really good really good surgeons very well respected and very well known for facelift there's a guy called guy stern who's a friend of mine who also does breasts but he does faces um there's and these are all fully trained plastic surgeon so yeah, yeah where, where are people around but those are some who um are around here charlie had pocket time two weeks ago initial op one year ago now got lymphedema first two lots of antibiotics didn't work now on cipro floxacin swelling is extremely excessive how long until i should see an improvement now charlie i've just done your one just done your big one your big question charlie i'm worried about you i'm worried about you charlie because you've got implants in there and you're saying you've got really big um swelling you're in i'm worried swelling is excessive to charlie this all sounds bad i think you need to see a surgeon i think you need to yeah it sounds like you're in a bad way charlie give the surgeon a ring tomorrow morning and say that you are worried because this you've had two lots of antibiotics the swelling is excessive and you should have seen an improvement by now and the worry is that you have got an infected implant there. So that is a serious one there, Charlie. Um, but it's difficult for me to say. I think you need to see a surgeon, definitely. Junie, my husband's a breast man and says, do you need an assistant? Thank you, Junie. Thank you. It's not It's not what you think, Junie. This, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. South Wales, Catherine, South Wales. I know South Wales. Who do you, what was the question again? Was it facelift? What were you asking about? Yes, facelift. Um, my friend Hugh, H-I-E-W, does he does do facelifts? Um, Hugh? Um, um, well, I work for Mr. Milling, but, uh, Martin Milling, but I don't know if he, he might not still be. Um, what names, Rachel, what names I've got to write down? So Hugh is great. I don't know if he's these guys these are south wales people i know but i don't think i think nick wilson jones is um not faces god faces in south wales come on think um i'm gonna get they're if i find any people i know um see this they're gonna tell me off for not remembering them who's um tom potter i don't think he's faces is he um 
Hugh would know. Oh, I'll put them down. There you go. Hugh. I think Nick Wilson Jones's children. If if Hugh doesn't do faces, Hugh, Hugh would know, recommend someone. Um, Martin Williams. Uh, Dean Boyce. Dean Boyce. Uh, anyway, there's 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 good people in South Wales. Very good, great unit in South Wales. I work down there. Oh, um, anyway, sorry. Yeah, but just look at the guys who work in Swansea. They're all they're all good. Down, those guys down in Swansea. Um, chat went off. Surgeon's names for a face shift. Yeah, those those. Oh, the guys in UK. I mean, the guys in Rachel. Which one I know? Have been to see breast specialists in age well then you're in good hands charlie you're in good hands he says it's a just job someone's got to do it do you need if only you knew if only you knew the stress that the, the difficulty of this job is not it's not as you think catherine says yes don't even know what the question was what's the question yes was it south wales south wales yeah go for it catherine you're in good hands down so i've all those boys all those swansea boys top of the range charlie they don't seem concerned about implants ultrasound and lymphedema fluid in breast tissue wouldn't call that lymphedema but anyway blood test says white stone is normal all oh, right that's good news then charlie well maybe it is swelling you've got a good supportive bra on Carew. i know the name Carew, and i think he is a plastic surgeon i don't know the guy but he might be a good guy it doesn't mean he's a bad guy just because i don't know him I probably only know the older ones because I'm older now, but um, I don't know him. Rachel, thank you. You're welcome. Can we move on to thigh questions, please? <laughs> Guys, Patricia Caprice has got to get on. She wants to move on to thigh questions. Where's the thigh? Oh, yeah, the thigh one is the next one. All right, Patricia. I'm just trying to keep hold of the trap. Hold on a minute. Jillian, I live in Northeast and want upper and lower eyes. I've had a quote from your clinic, but from what you say, it's better to be near home. Yes, it is. How do I find someone in the Newcastle area? Oh, God, Newcastle. I'll tell you how, how you do that, Gillian. Look at BARPS and BAPRAS. Oh, the BARPS website, B-A-A-P-S. Um, and look for, a, look for a surgeon on the BARPS website. Gillian, that's the thing to do. Yeah, it's always good to be closer to home. Absolutely right. Right, now, come on. Patricia's getting impatient. She wants to talk thighs. Thigh lifts, right. Um, it was a bit vague, the thigh. I think it was just explain thigh lifts or something. So um, so thigh lifts are, first thing I'd say is thigh lifts are not that common. And the reason thigh lifts are not that common is because they are, um, how do I put this? When you're looking at body contouring, tummy tucks, mastopexies, facelifts are common because the scars are hidden, great results, and everyone's happy. The problem with thigh lifts and arm lifts is the scars not hidden. Big long scar on the arm, same with the thigh. So if that's my th thigh, the best way to do a scar lift, a thigh lift is a big long scar down the medial aspect of the thigh. So again, this is my view and my practice. I think that the best thigh lift is a, a big long scar down the inner aspect of your of your thigh to tighten the skin in that side to side direction and um that is the best way to contour the inner thigh the problem is people say i don't like my thighs i can't wear short skirts i'm very embarrassed blah blah, blah. and then you do a thigh lift make a big scar and they're like 
Well, I still can't wear short skirts because I've got a big thigh, a big scar. Uh, now the scar is, we aim to hide it in the inner aspect of your thigh, but make no bones about it. It is there and people might see it when you're sitting and your leg is slightly abducted. So it's not for everybody. Now there is a thigh lift where you, where you can just hide the scar in the groin. You might say, fantastic, I'll have that one, please. Now, if you hide the scar up in the groin, then instead of taking the, side, the skin in a side to side direction, you're pulling the skin up. Um, and that's not such a good vector of pull. It doesn't give quite such a good lift. It's a good scar because it's hidden in your groin, but because it's in your groin, it's hot and sweaty. It's a high risk of wound healing problems, of infections and what have you. Um, and it doesn't give quite as good a thigh lift. And I don't like that one, to be honest with you. I like the fact that the scar's hidden, but I, it's no good giving you a hidden scar if you're not giving a good result. In my hands, I'm just saying what I'm capable of doing. There may be people out there who can get good results with those ones in the groins, but I find that they don't give a very good lift to the skin, and I would rather not do it, to be honest with you. So if you've got a lot of laxity, particularly people who've had a massive weight loss, and you're happy to accept the big, long scar, I would say that the thigh lift is a good op. If you haven't, in my practice and in my experience, I wouldn't do a thigh lift and I would, because I would say I don't like that scar up in the groin and it's just not worth taking on the, the, the big long scar in the, in the inner aspect of your thigh. And so that is why thigh lifts aren't very common, to be honest with you, because they're not easy ones um, and they're not hidden scars. And you've got to have, at the end of the day, you've got to have happy patients. And if you haven't got happy patients, it's better not to do the surgery, to be honest with you. And that, that is a worry with thigh lift. Charlie, yes. Well, good Good luck with that. Straight to the point, Patricia. Yeah, Patricia's right in there. Yeah, absolutely. Patricia, are you happy now, Patricia? I've talked about thigh lifts. Is that all right? Is that to your uh, satisfaction? Uh, I should put my disclaimer here. It's just my my view. All right, I'm eight weeks post-op tummy tuck. I'm feeling very run down. What should I do? Since surgery, I'm constantly tired and getting colds, cold sores, etc. I'm eight weeks post-op from tummy tuck and still very run down. Oh. Oh, same thing. Any advice? Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know what? Eight weeks is not long. And you think that eight weeks is a long time. When you're eight weeks post-op, it sounds like a long time, but it's not. And a tummy tuck's a big op, so I won't worry about it. I think you're probably doing trying to do too much, is what I would say. I don't know who you are, to be honest, because this is just a question that's come in. I don't know. So I don't know you, whoever asked that question. But I would not be surprised if you're still run down. And I think you're probably trying to do too much. Take it easy, relax, and just let your body heal. Eight weeks is well early days, my friend. Things start to settle at three months. Start to settle. Um, Patricia Caprice. Is that your real name? I've lost six stones. Hence, when completing the thigh lift. Well, yeah, you might be a candidate. But um, but it might be. Uh, it might be possible. But... Um, you have to accept the big scar, in in my view. But you know, you have to see how, see what, see what you think. Olivia keeps on missing all of this because she keeps on getting called away. So, um, hmm. Olivia, why don't you just watch it tomorrow or something? It's available, isn't it? Tomorrow? Iodine, right? I'm having my wound treated with honey patches, and I've noticed others having iodine put on theirs. <laughs> just wondering what's the difference. Why are I getting on iodine? You know, there's a problem with this day and age, the internet and everything. Everyone gets into, gets experts, don't they? Um, it's like, oh, I've, I've already got my diagnosis from Google. I just want a second opinion. It's like that, isn't it? Don't worry about it. Go with whatever your nurse or your plastic surgeon or whatever is, is recommending. Don't worry about it. I don't really want to get 
into it. People have got views about dressings. Um, in general terms, iodine is a very good dressing and it's good for dressings uh, for wounds that are moist. It can help dry them out. So if you've got an exudative wound, if you've got a wound that is um, just wet and the dressings are sticking and stuff like that, iodine is very good. It's antiseptic, but it is also helps to dry out the wound. So if it's a wet wound, it helps to dry it out. Honey is good. Um, it's another great antiseptic, but it also softens wounds. So it's good if you've got a, like a scabby area, like if you've got lots of scabby scabs on the scalp or something, it helps to soften those scalps to help them to come away. So it's a different sort of dressing, maybe for a different type of wound. So you can't just say, oh, I, he's having honey. Why can't I have honey? I don't want iodine, I want honey. It depends on what your wound is. It depends on the circumstances of the wound and it depends on the preference of the of the nurse or the doctor looking after you. And sometimes you try a dressing, see if it works. And if it works, carry on. If it doesn't, try something else. So they're for different types of wounds, honey and iodine, but they're both very good dressings, very, very good dressings. So um, I wouldn't worry that if you're having honey and others are having iodine, it means they're getting better treatment. It's just different. That's life, you know. It's like the drains and the glue and the locking and all that. It's just life. There's different things different ways to crack a nut. Um, but iodine and honey are, are for slightly different types of wounds, but both in their own rights, very good. That's why, you know what, goes back to like choose your surgeon. People say, what's the best implants? Round, teardrop, in front of the muscle, behind the muscle, high profile, moderate. Choose your surgeon. Don't get into the profiles and that. Choose your surgeon. Obviously, you have an opinion about your profiles and stuff, but the surgeon's more important. Choose your, choose your surgeon, choose your nurse, choose the person who's putting the dressings. Don't worry too much about iodine versus honey. Choose the person and let them work with you. And also ask them as well, not me. I'm not, I don't know, I have no idea what the dressing is or, or anything about this thing. So, you know, that's why you've got to choose the, choose your surgeons, your most important choice, I would say. And the team, maybe expand that out. Choose your team so your nurses are going to look after you and stuff. Oof, getting getting deep there, going deep, people. Uh, I have I've had an FDL, fleur de lis, that is for those who don't know, which is a big tummy tuck with the inverted T-shaped scar, and would like breast surgery, but my surgeon's insisting on twelve months between ops. Why is this, please? Again, ask your surgeon. Um, I don't really want to say why someone would say something. But, you know, in general terms, since I am doing my Ask JJ, <laughs> I do say, do you ask me? I do encourage you to ask me questions. I don't want to then say, don't ask me questions. So by all means, do ask me questions. But, you know, for a specific thing like that, maybe you should, you know, your surgeon will probably be the best place. But it's not unreasonable what they're saying. Flirtly is a big operation. It takes a long time to heal. Swelling, wounds, scarring, what have you. It takes a long time to heal. Um, so you're going to want, you know, at least three to six months to get over it. But what was the other thing? Breast surgeon. You know, I would say at least six months, but it's not unreasonable. Twelve months, your scars will be firm, tender. What if you have any complications? What if you have a dog here? What if you have this, that? You want to get over one operation first. And I think it's not unreasonable to wait for 12 months. If you're, I mean, obviously, you're probably sounds like you're keen to have it done sooner. So, you know, it could be done sooner. But then who's, you know, your surgeon might have a more of a reason. I think six months is is standard. Um, but 12 months is not unreasonable just to let all your tissues heal, let your body heal, let you heal. 
you know, because it might be that your breast surgery is going to be quite a big op with potential for complications and you don't want them overlapping. You don't want still a bit of swelling in your tummy and then you've just had your breast done. So you really want to be fully over it. I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, but, you know, again, you should we'll probably speak to your surgeon specifically about that. Rachel's back in. Can I ask who is best to see about vaginoplasty? Gynoplastic surgeon. Now, you're talking there, Rachel, about vaginoplasty rather than labiaplasty. So a vaginoplasty, I would say gynecologist. I don't know if plastic surgeons that do it, but I would say a gynecologist. Labiaplasty, there are plastic surgeons that do it, and I think that's, that's okay because that's sort of the external, that sort of skin, if you like. But I think a vaginoplasty, I would say a plastic, uh, sorry, I would say a gynecologist. But um, I don't know if there are um, plastic surgeons that do it, but yeah, gynecologist would be my vote. Do you operate on smokers? Um, big question that, Rebecca. Um, depends on the surgery. So if you're having a mole, cyst, little scar and some of that, then you could, you could, I, well, to, first of all, I always tell everyone to stop smoking, not because I've got it in for smokers and I've got no problem with smokers, but wound healing is bad in smokers. So um, the main time is from the surgery to two weeks afterwards. So everyone should stop for that time. Ideally, you stop six weeks before, but the critical time is from the time of surgery to two weeks afterwards to maximize your chance of healing. When every time you smoke, you decrease the blood supply to the skin and those wounds are going to struggle to heal. So it's not so bad if you're having a mole or a cyst or a smaller operation. If you're having any sort of body contouring, anything like a facelift, a tummy tuck, mastopexy, breast reduction, I would say that I don't want to be confrontational and say I won't operate on smokers, but I would say if you can't stop smoking, you shouldn't really have the surgery because you've always got that risk of someone saying, yeah, I'm going to stop smoking, you know, carry on smoking, have the surgery, saying it for your benefit. I don't think people who can't, who cannot stop smoking should have that surgery because it's just increases your risks. And if you get a risk, if you get a wound healing problem with a con body contouring op, tummy tuck, breast lift, something like that, because they're done tightly, you're closing it tightly. That's the whole point of the surgery. If that then doesn't heal up, you can get wound healing problems, which aren't nice. So um, I would say that if you're having body contouring, you, I would suggest that we don't operate on you. Uh, Rachel and labia too. Well, labiaplasty are plastic surgeons, but labiaplasty on its own, I think plastic surgeons can do quite adequately. But if it's vaginoplasty, I think that's a um, gynecologist. Is a small cyst removal expensive? Um, so it, you can always send us, uh, uh, you can get in touch and ask us for a quote. Olivia, I happen to know how much a small cyst removal is at our clinic. It is free consultations and it's £750 to have it done, uh, which includes all sort of follow-up and stuff and dressings and everything. And we do a see and treat, so we do it on the day. So um, that's how much it costs, uh, it includes histology and everything. But if you want more details, we've got a proper email we send out if you want details of cyst removal. But yeah, that's that's how much it costs at, at, at my clinic. But like anything, you'll find a variety of prices out there. Um, Kim Wyatt, I'm four weeks post-op from full tummy tuck and MR, muscle repair. I don't know what that is. And breast lift. Whoa, and implant. Oh, my God. And implants. Wow, that's a big one. How long for the swelling to do down on your boobs and belly? Four weeks is early days, Kim. 
but I think four to six weeks, things should hopefully start to be maybe getting better. You are probably still wearing your binders, I'm guessing. Uh, I normally say three months, Kim. Three months, things start settling. Six to eight weeks. So a couple of months, you're going to start seeing things. I think you're going to soon start seeing things getting better, Kim. But it is months rather than weeks. So I'm going to say three weeks for things to really start settling down. So don't worry, Kim. Don't worry. Four weeks sounds like a long time, but it isn't. Take it easy. The more you do, the more it swells. That's the other thing. Because a lot of people think they, you know, I've had the surgery four weeks ago. I can get back into, you know, going to the gym or going to work and all that sort of stuff and going full on. And and that is a that you know that makes it swell. And then once it swells, it takes longer to settle. It's a bit of a false economy, really. Hold on a minute. Thank you. Could I vape? Um, vaping is is better than smoking, but it's still not good because there's nicotine in the vape. I think do they do one which is just like water, just steam. That would be good. But if there's nicotine in it, it's not as good as um, stopping. So vaping is still bad, Rebecca, but I think it's not as bad as smoking. Lol, missed that answer too. Disaster. I don't think you missed much, Olivia. Uh, thank you. I'm trying to walk a mile a day. Good. Well, hold on a minute. Oh, which, wait a minute. That was the one who's swelling. Well, Kim, take it easy a bit. Don't want to do too much. I mean, it's good to keep moving, but you know. Good news. I'll be at home next week. Um, I'm away next week, Olivia, so I'm not going to be doing it next week because I'm um, I'm on all a holiday. Sorry. <laughs> so a week off next week. Sorry. Yes, pad books. Right. Um, where are we up to? Here we go. How about this question, people? What do you think about that? Comments? After an arm lift, when is it okay to drive, lift things and return to weight training? Weight training? <clears throat> Again, disclaimer. Can't find my disclaimer. It's somewhere miles away, but um, you know, it's uh, surgeon specific. So speech is surgeon, but an arm lift is closing things pretty tight. So I would say two weeks. You might be okay after a week, but I would say two weeks to be safe with driving um lifting things and weight training six weeks uh, you know it is a tight thing and it depends on how it heals because it goes up and then there's a scar up in your armpit so it can take time for it to heal and you can get delayed wound healing so you know it's a big op and even then even at that sort of six to eight weeks i would say start gently don't say oh six weeks now i'm going to go and do boom, bench press and whatever just start gently if it swells if it hurts back off don't underestimate it. An arm lift is a big thing. It's tight and all that. You don't want to get onto things too soon. Bloating after tummy tuck. I Oh, what's happened here? No, thank you. Yeah, take it a bit easier. Have a hold. Thank you, Olivia. That's very kind. I'm sure I will. Very much looking forward to it. Bloating after tummy tuck. I had a tummy tuck with muscle repair almost two years ago, and this is how I look now. Have I seen the... Anyway... I've had no replies from my surgeon, which was in Slovakia, so I cannot ask him. If I have a small dinner, I bloat out and feel like I need to be sick sometimes. But anytime I eat, I bloat even worse. I've had an ultrasound down, done with the NHS a few months ago to see if I had a seroma, and I don't. I would also like this surgery redone because this was a terrible... Oh, I have seen this. Yeah, sorry. I got infected and the stitches came out too early, so I guess that's why my scars are big. I've had surgery done elsewhere and I have never had a problem with healing before. I paid for an extended tummy tuck for the reason to make my hips were flat and now I've been left with the dog ears worse on one side 
So I'd like them to be flat and just an overall better scarring, really. Woo! Blimey. Uh, what? So, okay. So first of all, you can revise the scarring of a tummy tuck. And I've seen these scars and they are quite wide. And you could revise, but that's quite a big op because you've got to cut out the whole scar and re-suture the whole scar. But that's doable. That's potential. And dog ears. Potential to take the dog ears. That is, poten that is potentially possible. If you went somewhere else, you'd be charged full whack, and that'd be quite expensive because it's quite—it's not as big as a tummy tuck, but it's still quite a long op, a long scar to to revise. You you wouldn't be able to do it under low-plan aesthetics. It's a really it's an extended tummy tuck, so it's a really long scar, and you'd have to have a general anaesthetic, so it's going to cost you a few thousand pounds, I suspect. So again, it's always best to go back to this is why it's always best to go back to your original surgeon because they've got a vested interest to get it right because you don't—they don't want you to be um, want you to be happy, but it's always difficult if they're overseas um the bloating is a bit different the bloating and feeling sick and things that is unlikely to be due to something to do with a tummy tuck that's more intra-abdominal when you do a tummy tuck you're just dealing with the skin and the fat on the outside of the abdomen you're not doing anything in your bowels in your stomach and your bowels that's the problem with the gastric transit the transit of of food and fluid through your bowels so that's a different problem so i think you should see your gp about that i'm not sure if your surgeon will be able to help with that if you get sick, oh, it sounds like you've had an ultrasound. That's right. You said you had an ultrasound and you're not got a serum. That's good. But the bloating, uh, if, it, if it's sort of bloating coming up after meals and things, that doesn't, you, I don't think you need your tummy tuck redone. That bloating, it sounds like an intra-abdominal problem. So I don't think that's necessarily a problem from the tummy tuck. I think that might be something else going on. So I think you've done the right thing by obviously being investigated by the NHS with the ultrasound and what have you. But I'm not sure. I don't think surgery on your tummy tuck would would help that. The surgery could be done for the scar and the dog ear, but not necessarily for the bloating. Do I have to stop my uh, medication and or vitamins on my surgery day? Vitamin supplements, meds, baris, baris, will I be able to take them? Again, this is something to ask your surgeon um, or the anaesthetist, really. The anaesthetist is the one that needs to know about this. In general terms, you're nil by mouth, so not nothing to eat or drink. Um, well, it used to be nil by mouth six hours, so nothing to eat or drink for six hours. Nowadays, they do let you have uh, clear fluids for up till two hours pre-op. But again, speak to your surgeon, uh, speak to your anaesthetist. If you are having surgery, as a, if you are having, if you're having medication, if you have medication that you need to have, and that usually means things like heart medication and things like that, most surgeons and anaesthetists, well, I say it's the anaesthetist that worries because there's, they don't want stuff in your stomach because they don't want you to be sick when they're putting the tube in. So um, it's the anaesthetist who really needs to be on board with this. So if you need need tablets like heart medication or tablets that you need to take, they're usually fine with you taking on the day of the surgery. If there are surgery tablets that can be stopped, things like what you're having, the vitamins and, and I don't know what other vitamins, supplements, meds, I don't know what the meds are, but if you can stop them, it's probably best not to have them. Uh, if, if it's just vitamins and things that are okay to stop for a for a day, then I probably wouldn't have them. That is on the day of the surgery. If if it, if your surgery is in the afternoon, you can have them in the morning. But if it's within the sort of six hour time frame, I would probably not. I'd knock them on the head for that day. But if you have to have them, as I said, they're heart tablets, blood pressure tablets or something like that, then most of these tests, I think, would prefer you take them. But it's again. Sur uh, surgeon slash anaesthetist, and if you to say anaesthetist specific. 
that's it oh god done it so i'm off next week guys but please still do i've got cold tea though. i'm not even gonna touch that please do deal do deal do 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 me oh i've got a question on facebook while before this thing started let's get it up because otherwise i was going to wait for two weeks where is it um so you got any questions yeah no hmm. thanks for thanks for that it was a good one lots of uh lots of questions there wasn't there so we've got a question here live in um Right. Hi, JJ. So I had my tummy tuck and BL. What's BL? God, what's BL? BL. Breast lift, is it? Yeah, breast lift. Okay. So I had my tummy tuck and breast lift last week. I had internal bleeding and had to have three, had to have further surgery and three blood transfusions. I'm now afraid I'm going to die after the ordeal, or that something else will happen. Oh my God! I don't know if I should be didn't expect this. Can you tell me will any other risks be higher now for anything else? I'm only out of hospital and I'm traumatized. Anything I should or shouldn't be doing? Oh, I should be reading this one out. Um, okay. Um, three blood transfusions. So tummy tuck and breast lift is a big op, but Christ, three blood transfusions, internal bleeding. Right. I now feel I'm going to die after the ordeal. Or that something else will... No, the answer is no. You're not... If you're out there, you're not uh, at a higher risk of anything else happening. I'm assuming... You know, you can bleed... I'm assuming you had a hematoma, which is bleeding probably from the tummy tuck. There's a big space there, and you get bleeding inside, and that can bleed quite a lot. Um, and potentially, you could need a blood transfusion from that. Um, but that is from the surgeon cutting a blood vessel and the blood vessel bleeding. And then, you know, you presume you have to go back to theatre and have that washed out. So you don't um, necessarily need to, um, you're not at a high risk of, of, of that happening another time, unless there's a problem with your clotting. They'd have probably checked that. So unless there's a problem with your clotting, in which case you are at a higher risk of bleeding another time. But if it's just a, something that happened, a surgical complication, that doesn't make you at a higher risk of, of anything else happening. Um, anything you should or shouldn't be doing, taking it easy. That's what you should be doing. And uh, yeah, I'll answer this question. I'll answer this comment on the Facebook, on the messenger. But yeah, that's a um, good one to finish on. Um, so hope you get well soon and take it easy. That would be my my um, my answer. Bariatric. Oh, here we go. Bariatric vitamins and Lanzoprazole. Lanzoprazole. Well, speak to the doctors about Lanzoprazole. They may want you. They might want you to have it as a bit of an antacid. But the vitamins, I would have thought, if it's within the six-hour period, it might be okay to stop. But yeah, speak to your doctors. Blantina Mura, Murambiwa, Tete Veboys. Tete, tete Veboys. Yep. Yep. Always happy to have comments. Always happy to have comments. Thank you for the comment, Blantina. Um, and Khan, I'm really sorry, Khan. I know. I know it's terrible, isn't it? Uh, but I will be back the week after next. And then we're going to, we've got the, I've got to announce the winner of our Botox thing. So that's nail biting stuff. Um, I am going to be going now to see what's happening outside. And I will see you next week. Oh, see you the week after next. Have a lovely next week, everyone. And um, thank you all so much for the interaction. Blown away.
blown away. Um, and I should have a good sign off, shouldn't I? I don't know what to say. Anyway, thanks for coming. See you next week after next. Bye. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.